This is the Scale with Psychology podcast, where you're going to optimize your psychology to exponentially scale your business and become the ultimate version of yourself. I'm your host, Ani Manian, widely known as the Mind Whisperer and trusted advisor and psychedelic therapist to the world's top entrepreneurs and leaders. And I believe that entrepreneurship is a mental game. And the main constraint in any business is not the strategies and tactics, but the psychology of the founder. And with each episode, I'm going to help you take your life in business to levels you never thought possible. If you're ready to play the game of life and business in God mode, then this is the podcast for you. Welcome to the show. Today, I'm joined by two of my favorite people in the world um, and two of probably the smartest people in the world as well. I have John and Baldo, founders of MSW. And for me to encapsulate the magic, brilliance, and just extraordinary presence that these two carry would be just a a complete misstep. So I'm going to let them introduce themselves and tell you who they are and what they do. So welcome to the show, guys. Well, thank you you. for having us. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think you'd tell the story best. You want to tell the story best? Okay. (laughs) He tells the story best. Okay. So I'll round it out. Baldo's my best friend. He's been my best friend since college, and I consider him a brother. I don't have a brother, so he is my brother. And we decided to work together at a very early on part of our friendship years ago. Short story is we always thought we were going to open a bar. We stopped drinking, couldn't open a bar because that doesn't align with our health, doesn't align with our mindset. So we decided we're going to open a healthy bar, and we decided to open something called a vitamin lounge or a vitamin bar in Austin. And that's what MSW is. And we have vitamin IVs and injections. I'm a nurse practitioner and a chiropractor. Baldo uh, has an MBA and a brilliant sales and marketing mindset. And uh, we were both on a path to a bigger challenge. And we wanted to create something that no one's ever seen before. And we knew that we were going to have to rely on each other. And that was uh, about five years ago. I had the conversation with them to drop everything from Houston and come move with me uh, to Austin and start this, start this path. Five years later, uh, we're still doing it. And it's cool because it's evolved and it's evolved into something that we never thought uh, it could turn into. We didn't intend for it to start that way, but it's evolved into something greater than we could ever imagine. And, you know, the short end of it is that we've helped each other out along the way. Um, he's a guide for me as well as me being a guide for him. We figure out and push each other. Uh, we have a really great working relationship uh, because we have an understanding of one another and what we bring to the table and the role that we serve each other. And we're here for one another. And I could not imagine doing this with anyone else because uh, he's a type of person that always makes you think differently. And, you know, his motto might not be this, but his motto he's taught me is, you know, the lesson teaches us that the answer is always there. And and for me, I feel confident that I have a business partner, a best friend and a brother that I can go into work and business with that I can rely on 100 percent that he, he speaks my same language, understands where we're coming from. And so we have a, a mission and the mission is to educate the world on health because we believe it's a beautiful thing and health extends into every person's lives. And through what we've created here in Austin, through our vitamin lounge, through our nutritional 
supplement line, MSW Nutrition, we are putting together uh, a platform to basically learn about how to take care of your body and how your body functions. And if you empower people to learn more about their health, then you can break the cycle of poverty. You can break the cycle of hunger. You can empower a person to rise above previous thought processes. And what we really have been fortunate enough is that it's allowed us to grow. And we work on ourselves probably as just as hard as, you know, how we help others, you know. And so we've come across many wonderful people in our journey. And we really are blessed to, to be able to feel like, you know, we have a big say in health and wellness right now. I, I think we have, we have a big voice in it. Yeah. And, you know, that idea of the answer is always there, right, is quite central to the work you do. Because, you know, you work with, and I'd love for you to share the kinds of people you work with um, in terms of their health, right? What kind of challenges they were, they were facing when they came to you. And, you know, both Lee and I, we've, we've come to you guys, we've tried the supplements, it's made a huge difference in terms of how we function. We've done um, the full panel of, of blood tests and other tests and, you know, identified different deficiencies and different, um, you know, markers in our biochemistry and our neurochemistry and our physiology and biology. And, you know, you've helped us in a really targeted way, understand, isolate and address those imbalances. And as a result, you know, it results in a very um, visible and dramatic improvement in our experience of life, in our health, in how we function, and ultimately what we're able to create. So let's give people uh, a, a broad sense for like the kind of impact that you've made. Can you share like a couple of the, the crazy cases that you've, uh, you've encountered and you've, you've worked through? <laughs> Yeah, uh, I think that I can I can start this off, and uh, I'll say this: like a lot of uh, a lot of our clients come in here. Uh, well, a lot of them come up just because they heard from someone else that that we're doing great things, and and uh, and that's one aspect of it. But many people come in and they're just thinking like I've tried everything else, and I want to try a very holistic approach because like my doctor or my practitioner, they just don't get it. They keep trying to do the same things. And, and uh, I just want something different. And I think that that's part of, part of what we do is that we try to dissect what's going on and, and try to help the people, help educate the people and then let them make their own decisions. Because, you know, going back to the same thing, the answer is always there. So we want to make sure that they know what's going on because essentially people will make the best decisions for themselves anyways. Um, and for me, whenever he convinced me to come out here, you know, I told him the same thing. I was like, look, I'm totally cool with like changing everything as long as we always like help educate. And they were always helping other people, especially like businesses grow. Cause I think that if we, if we follow those two foundations then it's not going to steer us the wrong way. And it makes everything, it makes all the other decisions pretty easy. Um, anytime we come to a, to a, to a break, it's like, look, is it helping both of those things? If not, then it's not even worth it. Um, but when it comes to clients, I mean, we've seen everything from just like people trying to lose weight all the way to like, how do I reverse this, this thought process through my, through my biology and through my biochemistry. And John's really good about, first of all, caring. And second of all, uh, helping people understand exactly what's going on through analogies and metaphors and all that. But, uh, I mean, you, you can probably, you probably, you have a better idea of like numbers wise, what kind of crazy uh, experiences people have had. I don't like to make claims. I don't like to make 
things that I can't prove because with me, I'm more of, I like to just see it with my own eyes and then I like to be able to test it for myself. So when I make claims, it's not necessary claims is so much of a statement. So what have I seen personally is what it's encountered in my everyday practice. And I've been fortunate enough to see remarkable things. I've seen people who have been really, really sick and been told, you know, there's ideas that there's an idea that you might not live as, as long as you want because you have this health issue, you have this disease, you have this, this function that's going on in your body. I don't think that's uh, necessarily a bad thing to be told that because you make a change, right? It comes down to the ideas to how you're going to make that change, that change, how you're going to implement uh, a new approach to your health to where you might give your body a fighting chance. The people that come in here are, you know, on their third or fourth option. Maybe they're on their first option. They've been told they have a horrible chronic illness that's going to shorten their life. And I'm just going to say, I'm not going to name names because I don't like, I at this point now as a practitioner, I don't even like diagnosing an official diagnosis uh, to people because it's a, it's a holistic dysfunction in their body that it's led to a dis-ease that's come out and manifested in a certain particular condition. If you fix the dysfunction, then you can basically resolve a lot of the issues, whatever that may be in health. Right. So I'm not going to, like I said, I don't want to make a claim that I do this or whatever because everyone's different. But what I have seen is the impossible. The person that was told I should not be here and they're still here. The person that was told that slim chance that, you know, I could possibly make it. Yeah, that was me. And I'm here. And they're, t- they're telling me the story and they're coming to us because they want to continue that journey. Or maybe they're just starting that journey and they've done a bunch of research and said, OK, my traditional doctor said, these are my only options. And I don't believe them. I think there's other options out there. What else could I see? They come to us and they come prepared. They say, I've researched, I found y'all, y'all been talked about, uh, referred to me. And I believe that y'all can do this for me. I believe you can help support this. I believe you can support me. And so then the fascinating thing about it is when you have people that come to you for help, you have to be able to listen to them in ways that no one else has been able to listen to them. And the incredible thing about the human body is that when you listen to it, whether it's yourself or someone who's skilled in it, if you listen to what the body's telling you, it has all the answers, right? Going once again, all the answers are there. Well, the other thing that I like about what we built here is that it's, it's better. Yes. Like, you know, you might want to say something like, well, you know, you have the expert there, the one that has the, you know all the letters behind his name and all that but it really is more of a community clinic right because people come in and they're like hey i heard about this or i tried this and they're sitting down in the back getting an iv or having a drink with us and 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 someone else like some other client will be like well, yeah i tried that before like i have a cousin that tried that like well have you ever heard about this thing or like have you ever tried that and have you ever gone to go do this ice bath or have you ever done this in this amount of time or have you tried fasting so it's always like what else can we do together because sometimes i ask us and we're like i've never heard of that but that makes kind of sense like it doesn't it wouldn't hurt you so let's try it let's let's explore let's uh let's go ahead and test afterwards because we can do that and then see if there is being an, if there is an impact being made or not and i personally myself i'm i'm one of them because i i, I hear about things it's like i'm gonna go try that like, i'll go do that and you know and i put myself in those shoes too whereas like hey you know, thankfully, like my health is great, but I'm always trying to see what else can I do to improve it? What else can I do to 
like to get that edge. Like, you know, I've always like to say, I personally want to live to 120. So I'm doing all the little things to get there. And there's no reason why anyone else can benefit from like doing some of those modalities as well too. So uh, in some cases it makes a bigger impact because they're starting lower and they just want to get to a certain point. But for me, it's like even the little things make a huge difference. So I want to focus us on a few themes that really exemplify the difference in the way you guys are thinking versus how the current sort of infrastructure for health operates. So the first thing is there is a diagnosis-based model in conventional health, right? And this goes to your point, Jonathan, of like, as soon as someone's given a diagnosis, someone's given a label, then that becomes a part of their identity. And I think that's one of the reasons why you try to not treat the person as a diagnosis rather than treat rather treat the person as a system that's having some sort of an imbalance that needs to be corrected. Wait, and a diagnosis become kind of like, like a sentence, right? Like a death sentence, right? Sentence. Yeah. Well, and, and not yeah. with death, but it's always, but it's like, this is, I have this now, this is going to happen for the rest of my life. Well, like, so, no. so they have done studies where, you know, when doctors give someone a death sentence, because this happens a lot, like, Hey, you have six months to live or you have a year to live, the people who, you know, really accept doctors as, you know, gods will typically die, like within a few days of that time frame, right? And they've, they've seen this over and over again, because we accept doctors and medical professionals as higher powers, right? And when they give a diagnosis, like it's, I mean, people carry the label of um, depressed, anxious, suicidal, obese, um, and diabetic, like for their entire life, right? And as long as they carry that label, they continue to identify with that with that experience. And as long as they identify with it, their brain is gonna make them sort of create that in their body, in their reality, because it it wants to be right. So. That's one aspect that I'm pulling out from from this conversation and from watching you guys work, which is treating the person um, more as a system that needs rebalancing and recalibrating rather than a diagnosis, right? Second, um, starting from a place of curiosity rather than starting from the place of I already know what's, what's happening here, which is, you know, a lot of times when conventional, um, you know, doctors or, or medical people um, examine a patient. And when most people, their experience of a health professional is, you know, usually if you look at how, you know, ER visits or doctor visits or anything works, you go in, you talk for a few minutes, they ask you a few questions, and then, you know, they either write you a prescription or they know everything about you. Right. And this is completely different from the way I've seen you guys operate, which is that's actually the start of this curious investigation into I wonder what's happening. Like, I wonder what's happening. Let's let's investigate and let's really understand, like, what's happening here without assuming, without judging, without already establishing based on what we already know. Right. Leaving room for the unknown. Yeah, I, I love that. You, you, you bring up a really good point. 
the mind is so powerful that any thought you create eventually becomes permanent and becomes the future, which is the present currently, right? You want to will something in the future, you have to presently think it's already happening in order to achieve it. And when it does, you already expected it because you manifested it, right? Imagine if people look at their health in a way that they want to continue to work on it and modify it because it's an ongoing process. When people come in, you have to understand what understanding they have of the body. And if they have somebody that says, uh, it comes in and says, you know, I really don't know how to eat healthy. There's no point in me blowing away their mind with a bunch of fancy terminology because they're saying they need the basics. They need to understand what it's like to even approach their, their health. And so if that's the case, you have a blank, blank canvas, right? And if you have someone that doesn't know anything, imagine that that's a majority of people. They don't know anything, but it's not like they're dumb. They just don't know. So imagine our job. Or a lot is, of times they think they don't know well, what they do. <laughs> but our job should be to say, let me, let me take this and, and throw this out here. Every preconceived notion you have about health and wellness and medicine, throw it out the window. Because nowadays, everything you thought was the case 30 years ago might not be the case anymore. And that might not be the case in 30 years from now in medicine because medicine evolves with tech. The tech evolves to serve you. That's what medicine's doing. Medicine's evolving as quickly as tech is evolving. But here's the thing. Medicine is not healthcare and healthcare is not medicine. Healthcare does not need tech in order for you to become healthier. There is a limitless possibility to what your body is able to create if you just give it the resources needed in order to function better. In my firm belief, as I get older in practice, with every single passing year, I firmly believe that everything we've ever needed in order to be healthier is already here on earth for us. Right? The answer has always been here. It's always been here. So the idea that someone comes in and says, well, I don't know. I was told this. My doctor says I'm fine, I'm not okay. Well, my doctor said I'm not okay and I want to be okay. You know, what do you think? And I say, well, how far do you want to push this? Because the idea is saying if Baldur wants to live to 120, I believe him. I believe that he's doing something every single day to get to there because it won't happen overnight. He's not going to wake up at 60 or 70, be repenting on his deathbed and saying, guess what? I should have done this. That way I want to live longer. I have so much more to do. Yeah. Well, so, yeah. so this, I mean, this, this brings up another um, point of distinction that I want to pull out, which is a lot of people who are drawn to you guys are people who want to take a proactive approach to their health. So these people come in for vitamin IVs, they come in for NAD IVs, they come in um, to get their panels done, they get custom supplements from you guys. They're taking a very proactive approach to their health rather than coming to a medical professional, coming to someone who's a healthcare professional, once, you know, something is wrong, once something is off and once there is actually suffering. So there's a complete shift in the level of personal responsibility and ownership that these people who um, are very, very strongly drawn to you are taking. And we know we have a lot of mutual friends in common who, who come to you guys every week, right? And so Let's talk about this idea because I think that's what Jonathan, you're highlighting about Baldo. And Baldo, I also want to talk about fasting because your approach to fasting is, I think, really cool. And, you know, it's, we think that, you know, becoming limitless in terms of our health, which is really the theme of our conversation here, is about what we put into our body, 
Yeah. Right. It's about what supplements we put in, what medications we put in. But, you know, in, in I think what you're going to get into, it's also about what we leave out, right? It's what we don't put into our body and for how long. So let's, let's first talk about what are the key mindset shifts that you guys think a person would need to make to shift from a very limited perspective about their health to a perspective that's really limitless in terms of you know how healthy they can be and what their body is really capable of. Yeah, I think that part of it is is like you said, like they they're being proactive, right? But I think that any system is, works that way. I mean, even even if you think it, it, a car, right? A car is a is is a system of so many different parts, and if you if you're being proactive and you're doing all your your regular uptake, like it's just going to last you forever. As opposed to if you wait for something to break down, then you're having to break, you know, fix that, plus then fix another thing, and you're always you're always just fixing, right? Instead of like optimizing. But I think that that the that the work for me as like like I, I take care more of the business side most of the time, but but for me it's usually like how do I get people excited about being proactive, right? Because uh, because like the people that are doing it are very excited and it's almost, uh, it, it's almost like it's very contagious because then all their friends want to come in and because they're feeling great. It's like, well, I also want to feel great. Right. And I think that that's, that's, that's a key is that you want to be proactive about it because then you're, you just, why would you want to wait till you feel bad? It's so much easier and so much cheaper to just take care of it when things are doing well, because you're just like assisting like the, the great progress and the system's just working as opposed to like having to figure out what's wrong. Because most of the time that you're looking at symptoms, once, once, once something something is wrong you're just looking at symptoms and that's probably not the thing that went wrong in the first place so then you're always having to figure out the next thing and the next thing and the next thing um but then this way you're just always continuously working but i mean i don't know what you want to add to that well i love the word limitless because when i think of it i think freedom i think limitless allows you to have a mindset to where there's no restrictions and imagine if you were limitless with your health, you would not have restriction anywhere in every aspect of your life because you would be able to think clearer. You'd be able to sleep better. You'd be able to work out harder. You'd be able to eat better. You'd be able to love better. You'd be able to think. I mean, just you go back to all kinds of things that you'd just be better at if you had better health. So limitless means that you have the freedom to do what you want, to take care of yourself how you want, and to be able to be a better person because you took the initiative to take care of yourself. So if you say, hey, I want to accomplish this, I want to own this, I want to do this, I want to change that, then I say, okay, cool, that's a lot of work. How are you gonna take care of yourself through this process, right? Everyone talks about the entrepreneurship of the dream of owning and creating and looking at what you accomplish and I say, yeah, but you know how much that takes its toll on your body. You have to prepare yourself every day for not only the journey of becoming, but then being when you continue to be that CEO, that person that you finally became, how do you maintain it? How do you thrive? How do you continue to thrive? How do you continue to push the limits? Because you and I both know that humans are never satisfied. We want more. We always want more. We want to be able to do this and jump higher and think better, make love better, limitless, right? But the truth is you had the answer all along. Yeah. You just had yourself that you need to look at and say, 
What can I do? And change your verbiage. I can. I'm possible. I believe. Right? That's limitless. So so let's let's really stretch the 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 perception that people have about what's possible. Right? So I I would love for you to talk about what's possible now, right? Everything from NAD to stem cells to exosomes, like to IVs, like give us a, a clear picture of what's changed, what's really available in the world for the people who, who want to take this conversation to heart. And they're sitting there being like, okay, so I want to be limitless. What does that actually mean? Well, it's interesting, right? Because these are like, even when you get to exosomes and stem cells and stuff like that, like that's, that's still things that your body has been doing forever, right? It's just more of like, how do you extract a tool and make it more efficient? Um, you know, I always like to say like the, the, the three tools that we have that help longevity the most is, is um, sleep, um, working out, and fasting. It, they don't cost anything. So right, let's start. Those. Let's start with those. So let's go in order: sleep, working out, and fasting. Yes. And let's talk about those, and then we can come back to the more sort of transformational technologies at the edge of, you know, making health limitless. Yeah. So let's start with sleep. Like, wh- what are you seeing? Where are people at with sleep? And you know, what's really possible for people when they actually get get this right? What's well, interesting because the the brain it only detoxes. The only time it ever detoxes is during sleep. And it's also when you get the most restoration in your body, right? And you, you imagine that, that if you're not getting the greatest sleep, then you probably didn't get a full nights of rest of restoration or, or, or a complete detox of the brain. Um, and, uh, it's, I mean, it's just so important. I mean, I, we track our sleep. We've been tracking it for, for, for a few years now. And it's like, and it's like, why not? Like anytime that I don't get a, a nice measure of sleep, and I usually like to wake up at five to do my meditations and all that stuff. And it's like, you know what? I didn't get any good enough sleep. I'm going to have to sleep a little bit more and maybe shorten my meditation for today because I know that for me, that's like, that's the most important is I got to get good sleep. And I usually can, even if I'm only getting like five hours, I'll get into a deep sleep. But if I can't, then that's my measure that I need to take a little bit more, maybe, you know, maybe the next night I have to do a little bit more of my, you know, going into sleep routine. But at the same time, like there's nothing more important than sleep. Like, would you? (laughs) No, I completely agree with that (laughs) statement. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so important. Yeah. So, so how does the average person optimize their sleep? What would you, what are, what are like the two, three things that someone who's listening can do like starting tonight? To optimize sleep? To optimize sleep. I think that if you have a, a going to bed routine is great. I mean, you know, turn off lights, right? Just turn off all blue light, you know, nothing past 830. Like just just don't even look at a screen because then that way your your cycle, your uh, your melatonin cycle of creation um, starts to will, will have will be intact. And then that way you can get a deep sleep. Um, I personally like to meditate before I go to sleep and I like to meditate on what I want to dream about. Um, and, and then that way I can have fun in my dreams too. Um, but the, ideally you don't want to dream because that means a deeper sleep, but that way the little, the little going in and out of that little, uh, face of like, I guess not gamma, but, uh, uh, beta or no theta, theta, theta waves that you get a little bit of dreams. And I want to have a fun, a, a fun night of dreaming at that point. Um, 
I don't know, maybe take some magnesium. Like there's supplements that you can take as well too. But the easy ones that don't cost anything is like, hey, just don't look at your screen past like eight o'clock, past past eight thirty. Uh, you know, do some breathing exercises, do some left nostril left nostril uh, breathing, so you can get into parasympathetic mode. Throw your legs up the wall. That doesn't cost anything. You do that for 15, 20 minutes, and you're gonna get a very restorative. It's gonna help your adrenals, and then you're just gonna lower your cortisol and be able to have a better night's sleep. And also, don't eat you know, a few yeah. hours before bed, because one of the things that almost everyone does is, you know, eat late at night, late night this, snack, right? And this is a really a symptom of the levels of stress that people feel. And the most cop- common coping mechanism for stress is eating. And, you know, we, we use food as a drug. And, you know, it really impacts sleep, because when we're digesting food, the body is is working and you know it's really hard to actually get into that state of deep rest when there's digestion going on so let's let's move to number 2 working out like what what trends have you you've seen and like what would you say are again like the one two three um sort of shifts that people can make to really optimize that area of their life you want to get into that? I mean, yeah. So, like, exercise is a vital part of your health because every time you exercise, you increase your production of brain cells known as neurons. There was a study done in this wonderful book called Spark, followed a bunch of uh, grade school Chicago kids. They had PE first thing in the morning, their test scores were better afterwards throughout the day. And they were doing this program basically in the study to save the PE program because they're trying to do away with it in school right? What does PE do for you, right? It's just running around the track, right? The truth is it keeps you healthy. Exercise is vital. Not only do you get new brain cells, but you breathe in oxygen, right? And you need oxygen. You need oxygen in order to breathe and live and function. So when you breathe in oxygen, you kick out carbon dioxide. And you know who needs carbon dioxide? The trees. The trees produce oxygen. So they get Carbon dioxide from us, we give them oxygen. Well, actually, yeah, we take an oxygen, we give them carbon dioxide. So when you have exercise, there's a lot of benefits that go on a really deep level. Yes, people want vanity muscles, they want to lose weight and all that. But imagine that if you're a 60, 70-year-old, 80-year-old person, I think about the little old granny that's at the mall walking around in the sweatsuits with the headband at 6 or 7 in the morning just doing the 30 minutes of walking because they know – that's going to keep them healthier. That's just essential. You keep moving, you're healthier. That, that's why I look at exercise. I don't care if you lift weights, you do yoga, if, uh, if you choose to do uh, uh, rock climbing, yeah. right? Like you just got to get off your butt, go do something. Yeah. Well, right? resistance training, I think is, is the key to that, right? Because, and that could be pushups, that could be, you know, light, light weights or whatever but resistance training is what's going to help with longevity as well too. Um, it, it is, you know, keeping your, because I mean, if you're going to live to longer, 120, 150 years old, whatever, you're going to need muscles to keep you up in the first place. Right? Like you can't just be laying around. So yeah, working you, out is essential. You don't use it, you lose it. Simple as that. So let's move into fasting, yeah. right? Like this is turning a little bit rapid fire, which is good. Let's, let's drop some bombs. So talk to me about fasting, right? What's been your journey with fasting and why is this so key and why is this so hard? Because I've tried this myself and it's a struggle. 
sure. right? So, like, let's 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 really educate um, people in terms of how how key this is. What's crazy is that fasting's been doing for. I mean, any any religious book that you ever pick up talks about fasting, right? I mean, even like in the Bible, Jesus like did forty days, forty nights, and it's just like, you know, I think Ramadan they do a whole month and a half or something like. You know, they do a. It's it's a very common thing. The easiest way to to think about it for me is is from a cellular standpoint. It's like you give your body, your cells, a chance to maximize the effort for anything that's in your body or a lot of times like if you're eating two three times a day like you're not done you're not done processing what you ate this morning by the, by, by like 1 p.m right or, or 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 for a shorter span like people talk about like doing snacks and all that it, it, it's just different right because it's almost like if i give any one cell a chance to get the maximum output out of anything i, I gave it then i train all my cells to do that at all times and um, from a longevity standpoint, then I want that, right? Because I want that when I'm when I'm 50, for my, uh, you know, 120, 130, that every single cell is given absolutely their maximum because they're just used to doing that, right? Plus, you get into like you know, um, uh, insulin-like growth factors. There's there's so many growth. Uh, from a human growth hormone um, benefits from fasting that we can get into the science here in a second as well too. But, um, but, but for the majority of it, for me, it's just like, look, it helps regenerate stem cells, right? Like for me, when I first discovered fasting was I, I, I tore my meniscus and I didn't want to explore, um, I didn't want to explore like surgery or anything like that. And I wanted to figure out well, what other ways can people do it? How does this work? And the idea is that once you're doing two, three days of fasting, you start to create, recreate uh, stem cells. And, and, uh, and I found that it was very healing and uh, there was a very big improvement in my, in my knee health on um, just that one instance. But um, at this point in my life, I do, I, I do fasting three days a month. Um, and then I do six days every, every three months or so, because I also, and that's a seasonal thing because I also want to regenerate my gut bacteria. So that way the new seasonal foods and the new allergies that come every new season, then I'm ready for that. I haven't been sick in you know four years at this point. And, and, and I, I attribute that to, to the fact that like my, my cells are always working at its optimum because I'm trying myself not to, uh, not, not, not to get them, not, not to let them be lazy. Um, uh, and then I also do about, you know, 16 to 20 hours of fasting every single day just to maximize the output that every cell that, that I have in me is giving. Um, but yeah, it can be difficult because uh, we, we're so used to like sugar and and, uh, and everything that we consume has some bit of sugar. So yeah, there'll be a crash and there'll be like a withdrawal symptoms for especially like on day two or three of a fast. But, uh, you know, at some point you learn how to like refeed or, or how to like prepare for, for, for a longer fast so you don't have to have those those weird, I don't know, withdrawal symptoms, but, uh, but that's just a learning process. John, can you share a little bit about fasting, diabetes, and chronic illness? Because I really want to underscore, you know, the role of insulin and really the impact that just chronic eating has on chronic illness. Yeah, that's a, <clears throat> a great topic. So insulin is a hormone. Most people know insulin because of diabetes. Now, diabetes is a blood sugar issue that you have a hard time regulating your blood sugar. Insulin is a hormone you produce from your pancreas that helps you regulate your blood sugar better by helping you store sugar into things like your liver, your brain, your muscles, and your fat cells. 
most people don't know that insulin also helps regulate your fat intake as well. So insulin regulates your macros, right? I mean, protein can become carbs and vice versa. And, uh, and so essentially insulin regulates your energy, right? So think about insulin as a metabolic hormone, an anabolic hormone, if you will, the biggest anabolic hormone we make. So essentially how we get energy and how we function is regulated by our insulin. And if you think about it that way, it changes your approach to diabetes because diabetes is really an insulin problem, right? Just like Alzheimer's could be an insulin problem, right? There's type two diabetes, there's type three diabetes, right? Which is Alzheimer's and Alzheimer's you have inflammation from the dysregulation of insulin. And for years and years, we couldn't figure out why, at least me, at myself, I couldn't figure out why insulin was such an issue when it came to Alzheimer's. And then I realized, well, wait a second. If we're dealing with the hormone that regulates all our energy and the brain, the liver, the muscles, and our fat cells are places that are like food pantries that store our energy, they're like little reserves. And when we go to pull energy from our reserves, we want to make sure that we have a bunch of good, good, good stored energy. But because insulin has to work overtime to get all that energy stored in and out of the cells, we need to regulate it better. And if you regulate insulin better, you promote longevity. Because I firmly believe now, after looking at hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of labs and in insulin and blood sugar, <clears throat> that if you regulate your insulin better, you live longer. That's just what I found. And so imagine how many people are walking around right now who can't regulate their insulin. And when I say can't, I know that's a strong word, but imagine if it was a genetic issue. You ever heard that term, diabetes runs in my family? Well, the issue really might be that no one runs in your family, and that's probably why you have diabetes, but it might be genetic too. Yeah, you have a little bit harder time metabolizing and breaking down sugar, which means that you're at a little bit more risk for developing metabolic dysfunction, right? And what's interesting about it, I can tell you right now, Balda and I, we look very similar, but yet internally, we're very different. He can handle his sugar much differently than I can. And I also don't consume it. Either. He doesn't consume <laughs> it much at all. But when he does, he regulates it much better than I do. When I eat it, I have a harder time. And if can, I look at longevity. Can you, can you explain what that means? I have a harder sure, time. Sure, sure. So. Okay, so let's talk metabolism real quick. You want to be limitless, you have to regulate your metabolism. You want to optimize your life, you have to regulate your metabolism. If you ask someone, what is metabolism? They're going to say, uh, I don't know, right? Because it's a real weird way to think about it. Your metabolism is how you make and break down all your nutrients for energy production. That's metabolism. So if you have a slow metabolism, you don't break down your nutrients as fast as you should, which means you have a harder time digesting, or maybe you put on weight very easily. Imagine you have a faster metabolism. You break down things very quickly. You're an athlete. You burn off so much calories that you basically burn off it before it even hits the, the muscles. You never even store it because you're working out so hard. But imagine if you're neither. You're not sitting on the couch and you're not overactive. You're just a person who likes to work out a couple of times a week, but you can't lose weight. You can't sleep better. You have love handles, right? You're tired all the time. You're bloated. Somebody comes into our clinic and says, hey, I want to lose weight. I'm tired all the time, and I don't have a very good mood. And I'm thinking, oh, so your metabolism's off. And they say, no, I mean, I need to lose weight. Yeah, but it's only like 5 or 10 pounds. I'm like, no, no, no. The way that you function is your metabolism, right? Every day you get up, you blink your eyes, you go to the bathroom. That takes energy, right? You get up, then you go to work. That takes a lot of energy. You go and withstand stress. 
uh, a, a really horrible conversation or exchanging emails with someone you don't like. That's a lot of stress and energy, a lot of energy you have to put towards something that might not serve you. So when I look at metabolism, I say that energy has to serve my body's needs. So whatever I put in my body has to give me the kind of energy I'm looking for. So when you think about it from that standpoint, food becomes sustenance. And your macronutrients, which are your proteins, your carbohydrates, and fats, are essentially your three types of gasoline that provide you energy. So choose wisely. That's metabolism. So when you break down your gasoline or your macros, there's a process, just like anything, right? Imagine you get a letter, if you remember what those are, uh, that comes in the mail. You open them up, and you pull the letter out of the envelope. That's a process to read the mail, right? Imagine you cut your finger on opening that letter. The byproduct of you breaking down that letter to read was you got a paper cut. Imagine that if I take down a fast food burger and in order to break it down and get into energy, the side effect was instead of a paper cut on my finger, I got a big paper cut inside the lining of my gut. You imagine if I do that repeatedly over and over again over 10 or 20 years, it's going to damage my gut, which probably slows down my absorption in my digestive tract, which probably slows down my metabolism and maybe all those years of eating crappy fast food that tears up my gut has basically slowed down my metabolism and caused inflammation. And that's why I can't lose weight. That's why I'm tired all the time. That's metabolism. So this is, we're getting juicier and juicier. So let's talk about inflammation because inflammation is something that um, I would, you know, I would consider fairly universal. Everyone has a lot of it, but almost no one's aware of it. Yeah. So I, everything, I, I say, if Bon is right, so imagine that you go back to the original idea that we're not treating anything. We're not addressing a certain health issue. You have depression, I don't like that term. What we're treating is, is in addressing is brain inflammation. We're trying to support that your brain needs to function better. So imagine you use a simple analogy for any health issue that you have in this world. The algorithm, the equation is stress plus inflammation equals dis-ease. Now, stress, physical, chemical, mental stressors, if you have enough of them and they bundle up, they cause inflammation. Or if you already have inflammation, like a horrible gut lining that's been torn up from food, eventually you're going to have dis-ease of the body or disease. Every single stressor in our life will eventually wear you down. It's how you respond, not how you react, that's going to fight off dis-ease in the body. That's inflammation. And you know, apart from fast food, what else do you see causing inflammation? Well, man, uh, anything. I mean, uh, EMFs, you know, cell phones are always on all the time. That, that causes stress to your cellular function, for sure. Um, I mean, driving around in the car, like just like, you know, stop signs and lights and being stuck in traffic and uh you know anxiety because you're stressed out you're worried about thoughts probably thoughts is probably the most common source of inflammation that we have especially because we tend to like make up stories on any one thought that we have we, we just carry it on right and so the practice of letting go right is, is important right because that can let go of inflammation as well yeah and, and would you say that most disease is basically a result of chronic inflammation completely agree Completely agree. I, I tell you, in chiropractic school, we, we learn this term, thoughts, tots, and toxins. That's what's going to wear you down. Your thoughts, tots, which are anything physical, and then, of course, toxins, anything you put in your body or surround yourself with. 
it goes back to that mentality is what about the toxic relationships you have in your life? That doesn't serve you. If you have someone that doesn't uplift you, they don't serve you. They're holding you back. And eventually it shortens what you could get out of life. You're not limitless if something's holding you back, right? Whether it's mental, physical, or chemical. That's what we look at. Having the freedom to not be reliant on something in order to function better is incredible. It's what we're still trying to figure out, right? We need vitamins because they're essential to our well-being, right? The weird thing about it is the reason why we look at vitamins as an essential part of health is because when you're deficient in a vitamin, it can lead to inflammation, all right? So let's say, for example, we take stress, right? Let's take toxins. I eat a burger. It's not very nutrient-dense. I'm not getting certain B vitamins out of it. I know that I need vitamin B6 and a lot of it because vitamin B6 helps me make serotonin. And serotonin is really good for my mood and my sleep. Now imagine if I don't ever get B6, I don't ever really produce a lot of serotonin. So if I'm B6 deficient, I could also be serotonin deficient. But here's the thing. In medicine, you're not born with a deficiency in a medication. Right? You're not deficient in an antidepressant that's leading to your low serotonin production. You're deficient in a B vitamin that's causing your low serotonin production. And if you gave the body what it's missing, you replenish it, you restore it, you regenerate it, you allow it to function. You basically allow the innate intelligence and the body's own ability to self-heal itself. You give it a chance. You give it a little CPR. And when that happens, you start functioning better. You start sleeping better. You start thinking better, right? It goes back to that whole limitless. I have more serotonin all day. What am I capable of accomplishing? What are, what are some of the other deficiencies that you see most commonly? So the deficiencies that I will see most commonly are B vitamins, vitamin D, fish oil, and from well, when you say when you say fish oil, you really mean omegas. Omega threes. Right? I apologize. Yes, omega threes, omega threes, vitamin D, B vitamins, and then what I see as the deficiencies that people have, um, there can be some micronutrients that are deficient that could lead. Magnesium's usually low. Magnesium's low in a lot of people. Like zinc can be low in people. But see, there's there's really a lot of balances to everything. See, what we got to understand, there's this term called homeostasis. Homeostasis is the balance of your environment, whether it's internal or external, right? Your environment outside has to be in balance so your internal universe is balanced, right? There's a, there's a counterbalance, a yin and a yang. Homeostasis in the gut. Imagine if there's an environment in your gut that's dysfunctional, you don't have a good digestive tract. Hippocrates says all disease starts in the gut. So if I go back to my micronutrients, which are essentially, you have macronutrients, forms of energy. Micronutrients are there to support the process of you breaking down the macronutrients to get the energy you need. Imagine you don't have enough zinc because you don't like Brazil nuts or you don't eat shellfish, right? You're not going to get the end byproduct that you want, the energy that you need, right? So I have to look at it from a holistic standpoint. And I say, okay, my body is a car. My body is a machine. My body is full of all these pathways. Genetically, I'm at risk for this. Inflammation has started here. What am I deficient in that I can put towards my body or in my body that will lower inflammation, override my genetic mutations, and essentially steer the path in the right direction to health? And when that happens, you actually 
start taking things that are more customized to your needs. So for example, I take vitamin B6 because as you heard, it makes serotonin. Well, I know that there's a gene in my body that I don't get enough B6 and it just, that's how I'm born with. So I need a lot more. So when I get more B6, I'm a better practitioner. I'm a better husband. I'm a better father. I'm a better friend. And if I'm better to y'all, then y'all are better because of it. And if you look at the nutrients that you're trying to take whenever you take a vitamin, get very specific. Vitamin D, yeah, everyone needs vitamin D. Everyone needs omega-3. But what about you? Are you missing something that you could get a little bit more of that would make you function better? And that's customized nutrition in a nutshell. So when people come to see us, that's what they want. They want to say, hey, I'm missing something. I think I'm, there's something off. Is there something I should be taking that would make me better? That's what I love hearing because when you hear that, it opens up the doors to being limitless. And this is you know, another shift that I want to pull out, which is the future of being limitless in terms of health is really taking a more personalized approach to nutrition supplementation. Right, the the days of the that one multivitamin that people pop that they buy at CVS, I mean, it's basically pointless, right? Not just because the quality is quite poor, but y- you need to give your body what it specifically needs. So, Baldo, let's talk about the gut because yeah. the gut is something that people really treat like a trash can, <laughs> and you know we're seeing more and more research that. The gut is the second brain. It's responsible for so much of our experience and so much of our health, whether good or bad. So tell us a little bit more about how the gut influences you know, the rest of the body and, and what are some common um, challenges that you see people facing with their gut? Uh, it's interesting because uh, I read somewhere as well, too, that the gut is probably your first brain because, you know, when you're, when you're uh, being born, you, you produce your gut before you produce your brain. Um, um, and I don't know, like upwards of 90% of all your neurotransmitters are made in the gut, uh, especially like serotonin and dopamine, which is really interesting. And, and what they're made out of, like who makes them is actually your gut bacteria, right? So whenever... Uh, and, and I mean, that's the point of all diseases is the gut, right? And, and and also the type of bacteria that you have in there. For me, that's why, like, once again, going back to the fasting, that's why I like to reset my, my gut every every so often by fasting is because I want to redo the gut bacteria so that it's the healthiest it can be for that season, for that period of time. So that way I know that I'm maximizing my output. Uh, but, but, you know, at the same time, I think that people just feel like they eat um, according to how they're feeling. And that's usually not how, how the gut's going to, what's best for the gut, right? I mean, and we do all sorts of tests. And people come in here all the time. It's like, can I do micronutrient? Can I do a, a food sensitivity test? Can I do this type of test? And we're willing to do stuff like that. But, you know, the easiest thing to do is like, hey, if you're just like, if you know that you don't feel well after eating certain things, just stop eating those things, right? Regardless of how great they might taste. Because that's where everything starts. It's in your gut. 
and and I think that uh, that the one thing that people can can do to help themselves is just to be aware of those things, right? Like even if you're if you're saying, hey, I'm going to eat one thing at a time, even if I am eating everything this week, then I'm going to at least going to eat every one thing at a time so I can see how I can re- how I react to that, how I feel to that, and then just be aware of that. A lot of times, I feel like if people are aware, then they stop doing them for the most part. Um, but, uh, but, you know, I mean, it's not like I'm perfect. I have my binge days too, where I go and, and, and just eat whatever. Um, but I think that I allow myself for that because most of the time I try to be very aware of how I feel, um, how I physically heal, feel in my, in my gut after eating certain things. But, but yeah, it's, it's, it's the root of everything. Like that, that, I mean, it's what breaks things down. It's what, you know, if you have leaky gut, then you probably have leaky brain. Uh, and, uh, you know, it all starts there. You know, the, the, that's, that's the key. And there's that's a vicious the cycle, right? Because people, if we eat shitty food, which makes us feel shitty, then we feel shitty and then we want to eat more shitty food because we feel shitty and we don't want to feel shitty. And the shittier food makes us feel more shitty, and it's just a it's a big cycle. The the other thing about it is that the idea that people eat and they're still hungry, right? Like that's that's also like a point of like you're just not getting the exact nutrients that you, that are needed, so you're still hungry. But it's really more of because like you're just you still need that one nutrient or those three or four nutrients that you still haven't given yourself. So it's your body almost like saying like, well, I still I still need that like and it, it takes a lot of time and discipline before you can identify with like, oh, that's, you know, this vegetable that I need that that'll satisfy that. And it could be just a handful of it and you're good because you're giving it exactly what it's needed, but it's constantly communicating with you. Right. So it's, it's almost like the idea that like I'm hungry is like, but for what, right? What exactly is it that you're hungry for? What is it that your body's asking you for? Cause it's communicating. And a lot of times the, all the, most people just identify with that. It's like, oh, I'm hungry put something in my mouth and, and and that's by by no means the answer whatsoever it's it, it's asking for something very specific yes there's a discipline and and i think an art of knowing exactly what it's asking for but that takes a while like that, that takes a while and i think that anyone can get there um, but it just starts by listening and paying attention let's talk about your vision for healthcare your vision for health insurance your vision for how people really improve, optimize, and enhance their health. Like, what does that vision look like? And and what do you want to create in the world? Because I see you guys not just as practitioners, but also people who are trying to change the status quo of how people think about health. <laughs> uh, I, I love the practice of visualization. And, and I think that one of the like just putting myself there and how I'm going to feel once we get there. And uh, at some point the the question, or uh, I had this vision of like shaking the hand with, uh, of the president, uh, like saying, thank you for creating the new health insurance. And I just still don't know exactly what that means. Um, and I don't think that I, I should know what exactly what that means. Like, uh, I think that once we try to dictate how things look, it, it probably breaks the pr- probably breaks the dream down um and it's really more up to the universe to figure out exactly how that's going to look i'm just i'm just basically i'm here to 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 process that and help it come to fruition but um there's just no reason like people pay so much money for health insurance and don't ever use it or don't get what they need out of it and in our case is that we've made such a huge impact on just like you know, sometimes even just 99 bucks a month or, or 199 bucks a month. And it's not a lot compared to what some people pay for health insurance and never use it. In our case, it's like, not only are we helping you not get sick, 
you know, that's, that's the goal, but we're also helping you feel better and optimize. So how much more productive can you be? How much more helpful can you be to this, to this world and to the society if you're optimized and not have to worry about like uh, working from a deficit because you're sick and hopefully you can get better just so you can go back to work. That's not the point. The point is to like, let's change everybody's mindset. So that way they're being proactive and they can just be more efficient and then we can all improve together. Yeah. One of the things that I see is that, you know, conventional insurance is based on this idea that we don't do anything until we're sick. And, you know, this paradigm shift is about, you know, taking responsibility for our health and being proactive about giving our body what it needs and taking away what it doesn't like and just avoiding altogether the whole you know, experience of being sick and then going to see a doctor and then getting medication and then really suffering. So it's really the elimination of suffering. And, you know, another sort of aspect of this is being more informed about the body, right? And there's so much more testing available. There's DNA testing, there's gut microbiome testing, there's blood testing and urine tests. And right now we have the tools and the technology to know pretty much everything we would possibly need about our bodies. Yet, we only get those tests, and most of them we don't even, like, no one gets DNA testing because, you know, they go see a doctor. They don't, at best, you'll get a blood test, a stool test, a urine test, and that's only when you're already sick. And even then, they're only looking for, you know, certain metrics and markers. So, Let's talk about some of the transformational health technology that's available. And um, I want you to actually define as if, you know, the listener doesn't know anything about what a stem cell is, what an exosome is, you know, what some of these testing technologies offer. So for someone who, you know, is living in sort of the default paradigm of health, what's now available that helps them be limitless? The wearable technology that's available has really expanded the access and collection of data that can be supported and submitted to your practitioner or clinician or just yourself to be able to give you more information about how you function, how your metabolism works, how you sleep better, things like that. And I think just like anyone, I love the term that, you know, people, I was doing my research, you know, I was doing my research. Back in the day, it used to be that it was probably by candlelight and you're sitting there up to hours of the night reading out of a book. Your research can be just from your phone nowadays, right? You're Wikipedia in it, right? You're on a blog, you're on, you know, looking at someone's Instagram page. But when you do that, you're doing some, you're putting your direction towards something you want to put your energy towards, which means you want to learn. I want to know more about this. What does this mean, right? And I think when you look at the technology that's available, you really have to consider that this is the greatest time ever to be a human. Because you have every resource possibly imaginable at your fingertips that can be delivered within six hours of that. And you can have everything you want. You want every answer to every question you ever thought of. You have it if you have 30 minutes of your time. You want to know more about how to do this. There's an audio book. There's a video for it that I can sign up for. When you take the initiative to understand what it takes to focus yourself and put the focus on you and invest in your health, you have to know what motivates you, right? Everyone has a reason why they get up in the morning. I think there's genius 
in everyone. They just haven't realized it yet. Our job is just to bring out the best in you. Our job is to bring out the best health that you possibly could ever, ever have. But I can't do that if you don't understand the basics. I don't know what to eat. What does sugar really do to my body? Why sleep that important? And if I look at it and say, okay, cool, let's teach you the basics. All right, let's measure your sleep. There's an app on your Apple Watch. There's an aura ring. Those two technologies can measure your sleep cycles and tell you how deep of sleep you're actually getting at night, how deep of REM sleep you're getting at night. And if you're waking up all night, you're not really good in good sleep. You're not healthy. Sleep should be the number one thing you emphasize more than anything else in your health. And if you can't track your own sleep, how do I know what you're doing during your sleep and how much sleep you're actually getting? If you look at the aura ring, it does the same thing. And you just wear the ring at night. And you have technologies like that that are available right now where you can even have a continuous blood glucose monitor that's implanted into the back of your arm and can tell you what your blood sugar is doing throughout the day. And if you know what your blood sugar is doing throughout the day, if it's fluctuating up and down, you can understand how your metabolism works better and how you function better. What you're more prone to do at four o'clock in the afternoon yeah. or what you're more prone to do after you eat that bread yeah. for lunchtime or you drink that sugary drink with the caffeine and the sweetener that you like in it. Or just in general, what foods make you, how they yeah. make you spike. Yeah, I, oh, I thought that was healthy for me. I thought this gluten-free brownie was good for me. Yeah, look how much it spiked your sugar. And so if you have those wearable technologies, think about what's possible in the next five years. Imagine, I know that there's a debate about where we're going towards with AI and technology. AI and technology is always going to be ahead of the game. But imagine you have regenerative medicine that's always been there all along, which is basically supported by the advancements in technology. Imagine we talk about NAD and stem cells, okay? So NAD is a vitamin. It's a derivative of vitamin B3. We offer it here in the clinic. It's something Baldo and I take on a weekly basis. When he fasts, he promotes the release of more NAD production in his body. When I take NAD through an IV, I get more NAD in my body to produce more energy, known as ATP. Over time, I reduce the amount of ATP, ATP production in my body. And, my, and since ATP comes from my mitochondria, which is in all of my cells, essentially my cells kind of start dying off and I don't produce enough energy to live. So if I get more fasting, I get more NAD, more resveratrol, I can promote more ATP, which means I live longer, healthier cells. Now, that's regenerative vitamins. That's the closest we get to vitamins that are regenerative. When you talk about stem cells, that is straight regenerative medicine. Now, years ago, we used to think if you tear something in your knee, like Baldo did, there's no way to rebuild it and repair and regenerate. You especially just have, if especially if it was a ligament, if it was something torn, we just had to patch it up, put a bandaid over it, maybe do surgery and take it out of there. But imagine Baldur said, nope, I'm going to regenerate my torn meniscus in my knee by fasting NAD and really watching my, my diet, my lifestyle. I don't want to promote anything that would cause more inflammation, more damage to my knee. So I'm going to live an anti-inflammation lifestyle for my knee. He did all that and promoted natural production of stem cells because he lived the ultimate anti-inflammation lifestyle. He did some and then some. The fasting, the NAD, promoting autophagy. That's something that if you continue to do what Baldur's doing, the fasting will help him live to 120 because he's regenerating his cells and kicking out all the toxins and the dirty crap that's in there that's going to wear him down, that breaks him down and leads to disease. All the inflammation that he stored up in a lifetime or stored up in the past week he does a reset, get it out of there because I don't need it. It doesn't serve me. It doesn't promote limitless taste. Uh, it doesn't promote me to be limitless. 
And when you look at stem cells, go back to the knee. Imagine if I inject stem cells directly into his knee. Stem cells are so regenerative that it can repair a torn tissue. Not only can it repair a soft tissue like a muscle or a a tendon or ligament, but imagine that it can regenerate an organ. Imagine I stick him with stem cells that can regenerate his liver, regenerate his heart, regenerate his brain, regenerate his spinal cord. Imagine that stem cells can promote that I can make a new liver for him. I can make a new brain and have it exactly in the same DNA that he has it because they're stem cells and they're very easy to control. Imagine that in the future I can duplicate Baldo as a whole and Baldo can basically shift bodies and live forever because his organs never die off because they're regenerating all the time, not because he takes the initiative, but because he's getting stem cells. But imagine if Baldo promotes his own stem cells, gets his own stem cells injected, which we have done, and then he's doing NAD, living anti-inflammation. There's no wonder he, he couldn't live forever. I mean, there's a report I saw of a, of a person from China, and you can go look, I think it was New York Times even reported in the 1920s. They think this guy was like 250 years old. He possibly was older than that. And it's very possible. It's very possible to live longer than expected because we only accept that death is the inevitable because we haven't figured out how to cheat it yet. We haven't figured out to override the system. But as I was staying up late last night studying, like I always do, I came across something very interesting. There was a report that came out. And for people who want to know how to promote longevity and see if you're doing the right thing, measure the cell health that you have. Baldo has done energy work and testing that's measured the age of his cells internally. You can also find something called a telomere test. A telomere test shows you how healthy your DNA is. If you remember your DNA anatomy, there's an X that the chromosome makes. And at the end of the X, imagine there's a cap at the end. And imagine that X is a bunch of yarn or twine that's all mixed up and rolled together to form an X, right? Well, imagine you take the caps off the end of that X. That's where the telomeres lie. They're the tethers at the end of all the yarn that's that's built up. Well, imagine those telomeres, when the caps are moved, those telomeres shorten and they shorten and they shorten. They shorten so much to where that DNA X, that chromosome dies off and it shrinks and it shrivels away. That's a wrinkle. That's a wrinkle. (laughs) That's every time that you take in EMF. That's time. Every time you're exposed to radiation, that's every time you take in glyphosate. That's every time that you take in monosodium glutamate. That's every time you take in aspartame. That's every time you have a negative thought. That's every time you beat up your gut. And every time that you do that, your telomeres shorten just a little bit, just a little bit more, just a little bit more. And when I was reading this article last night, this medical article, it said, this lady lived to 115 years old. And she said, they said in her telomeres, the only telomeres that were shortened out of all the cells that they measure, the brain, the heart, everything, the only telomeres that were shortened in this 115-year-old lady was her white blood cells. Her white blood cells, which are what everyone makes, are your immune system mechanism. Her immune system just kind of gave out after a while. So I imagine what if this lady would have done glutathione and NAD and liver detoxes and prolonged fasting and stem cells? Could she have lived to 150? Could she live to 160? If she would have regenerated herself somewhere along the way, she probably would have lived a long time. That's limitless. That's fun too. Mic drop. <laughs> so 
This has been really fascinating. And I want to, as, as we close out, what are like your top one, two, or three things that you think everyone could and should do that would dramatically change their health? I think one breath, right? Controlling your breath. Like, I mean, God, man, like that's like, that's the one thing that like could, because it, anything going on manifests in your breath, right? Like in how, how fast you're breathing, like it, it should be regulated. I think that that's, that's an easy way to regulate what's going on. Uh, but, uh, you know, meditation practice, a, a reflection practice, just being able to, to, to breathe and, and figure out what's going on in your, in your system and your body. We had that talk recently, we went on a walk and I told you about how I was, I had this like energy hole on my right side and I just, I still didn't, never figured it out, but I knew that if I could just breathe through it, it would change it. And it did it. It was like a release. And then immediately I was less, just less stressed, right? Which if I was less stressed, that means that I was causing less damage to my body. Right. And, and you know, yeah, I, I'm going to support that with nutrition and, and like sleep and, and fasting and all that. But, uh, but the way you manifest, it, it all manifests with breath is, is pretty extraordinary. I think that that's one thing that people can always look, look at. Um, what, what's a, well, did you have a third one? Is that, was, I think yeah. it was two. Yeah. Okay. All right. I have three. So I, I love the meditation one. I've incorporated that successful people meditate daily. That's just hands down. That's a fact. Um, my number one is sleep. Work on your sleep like you're trying to learn a new language and you just want to study it. You want to try a little bit of a practice every day to get better sleep for tomorrow. All right. The second thing I would do is take glutathione. It's my first love in the vitamin world. It would continue to be my first love. Glutathione, our body's major antioxidant. Just take it. See how you feel afterwards. It'll detox you in ways you never thought of. And then the last thing is the one that gets overlooked is go get a chiropractic adjustment on a weekly basis. All right. One of those things that you never remember and never think about, but imagine to optimize and live a long, healthy life, you have to take care of your spine. Chiropractic adjustments basically treat the nervous system and adjust the nervous system. The bones happen to just be protecting it. So the more flexible your joints are that basically protect your nervous system and the nerves that control everything in your body, the better your brain and nervous system are. So get adjusted, take a glutathione, get better sleep. Eat more fat. Eat more fat. <laughs> healthy fat. Avocado, coconut. Eat more fat. Those are a bunch of stuff to take away. <laughs> Beautiful. Where can people find you? Oh. Um, all the all the socials at, at MSW Lounge at MSW Nutrition. You could do at Nurse Doza for him. Uh, that's with the Z D O Z A Nurse Doza, and I'm Tex Mex Yoga T X M X Yogi. You can follow us there. Uh, obviously, websites all with the same name and then we have a podcast the how do you help podcast you were in it uh, your op your episodes are about to drop pretty quickly too so i can't wait to to hear that one and uh and then between you and i i think we're going to create some fun stuff for 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 the listeners as well too so stay in touch beautiful guys such a pleasure to have you on the show can't wait to do this again yes thank you ani Thank you for listening to this episode. If you found value, please consider leaving a five-star review to allow the show to reach more people or share this episode via your social media channels. If you're an entrepreneur and want support in exponentially scaling your business, email me at ani at animanian.com. Ani